Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. You're listening to Hurt At Sports Radio. Here is the sports editor for the Omaha World Herald, Sam McEwen. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Sam McEwen. Uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to throw the ball, and you just stand back there and throw it where you want to go. You know, that kind of thing. Sam McEwen. Are you guys going? Um, sure. Now, Sam McEwen. Pass the underhand to Gary. Steps back for a three. A career high, 22 for Jawan Gary. Kicking off our number three here on Herd Out Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. We're joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by our friend Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, how are you this morning? I'm really good. How are you guys? Good, Sam. How are things? Are we, what, what are we working on this morning? We just update our NET rankings every Monday. So uh, that'll be up here in about 10, 15 minutes. Uh, it's popular. People really want to know where all the teams are. And we, you know, we do Creighton and Nebraska and UNO. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was a good basketball week. Yeah. Around it, here. I'm re- for the most part, I don't. Creighton shouldn't fall too far, right? No, they moved up in the NET rankings. Yep. Um, in, the, in the AP rankings and the coaches' rankings, I think they'll probably stay right where they are because if you look at what happened last week in men's college basketball, a lot of teams lost. I mean, it's just late in the year. A lot of teams, you know, you have desperate teams on the bubble. They're playing their butts off, and you have teams that are already in the tournament that just had a big win. And so that, there was a bunch of losses and wins last week. I, I don't think Creighton's going to move much. Right around, what, 10-11, 10-9? Well, in the NET, they're 11. In the AP, they're 15. I think they'll stay around there. Yeah, okay. Mm. All right. Sam, speaking of Creighton, uh, you know, DB and I kind of had this conversation earlier this morning about what we thought happened in terms of just, hey, they didn't play well enough. St. John's just played well, you know, 
whether or not letdown games exist. As I, I had to, I had to give him a stern talking to Sam. And I'm a I'm a stubborn listener, so we'll. Uh, I don't know how so much. What, what, what was because I I because I I don't I don't I don't I didn't buy the letdown thing, and and I think you're letting a good team off the hook, and I think Coach Mack preached about the letdown. I think everybody talked about the letdown. I think you could look at the line and see letdown. Like, if that snuck up on them, that, that was on Creighton. They, like, they just got to own that. There, there, there was no letdown. That was, that was my exact delivery. Yeah. I, I mean, I think St. John's is played really well. And, 100%. You, know, you got to play, play Madison Square Garden. That's not easy. And, you know, yeah, I mean, St. John's is playing desperately. And then they're, you know, they match up well with Creighton. They they are Creighton's kryptonite. They're the team that now there are other teams in the NCAA tournament that Creighton does not want to face that are similar to St. John's. I don't know exactly who all those teams are, but you kind of know once you get there. You know the teams that that change you. San Diego State, although again they went to the national championship game last year, so they were very good. Mm-hmm. But that team that. Style, the way they play, that's not a good fit for Creighton. Creighton struggles with that. Villanova. Now, they, they go to Villanova, I think, at the end of the year. That's an upset alert because Villanova's style uh, hurts teams like Creighton and then drags bad teams into games, too. They uh, shoot so, you know, so many. have to watch that. Everybody says that about Villanova. I, I don't – they shoot so many threes. Like – if you would have, if you would have told me, yeah, you know, they're mid range, or you know, they like, you know, ball screens or two man games. Like I get Dixon being a, a tough matchup, but I don't, I don't love this year's version of Villanova against Creighton. And it, just my opinion at first blush, because they dial it from distance so much. Well, the, it's that the guy that makes their threes, or a lot of them, draws Coltrane away from the rim. Yeah, and so. That's challenging because they either have to decide. To and he does play well against else. Creighton. Mm-hmm. He played great against Creighton. He beat, I mean, he played incredible last year. Uh, and then he played really well in the first game this year. So you have to decide who you're going to use to guard him. And if it's Kalkbrenner, then that changes the whole, you know, that changes their whole defensive structure. St. John's is a hard team for, for Creighton to play. Marquette's hard, you know. And yeah, that, that's, that yeah. Yeah. They're really athletic, and um, now, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. You get to the NCAA tournament, I'll take Creighton over Marquette because some of the things that Creighton does are hard to hard to stop in a in a short turnaround situation. Creighton can play fast; they can they can go on big runs in an NCAA tournament. If a team can go on a big run. You know, there's just a clock inside your head that's like, all right, we only got 12 minutes left in our season. It creates it creates a kind of pressing. So, um, I like Creighton in the NCAA tournament. So long as they get a good draw, I think they have a great chance to to get exactly where they were last year. And then it comes down to you know executing in the uh, Elite Eight. I think Creighton's in a great spot. I'm, I'm just I'm calling my shot. Creighton will be beating Marquette on March 2nd. Will or won't? Will. All will. right. We'll take, uh, and I know it's a tough matchup with Oduro and Kolick and the two-man game, and then you know Jones is, is the human bucket. But uh, I, they'll 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 beat Marquette Saturday. It's a desperate right. Seton Hall team. You probably got to worry about that's a sleepy one. You want to talk about 
bad catchphrases for sports. The classic look ahead. <laughs> the classic look ahead game. A desperate Seton Hall team travels to Omaha before they play. I mean, all the narratives are there, but here's the deal with the Big East. Anytime you lace them up, if you're not playing Georgetown or DePaul, you better buckle up, period. And I think the good teams like Creighton know that. That's just my opinion. They do. They absolutely know it, for sure. Let's go to Lincoln. Sam, yeah, let's switch gears to Nebraska basketball here. Um, Obviously got the big win against Minnesota yesterday in convincing fashion. Kind of put to bed the road narrative against Indiana earlier in the week. Um, How, I guess when you look at the, you know, Tominaga wasn't really going yesterday. Rink Mass wasn't really going yesterday. Like, is there any part of you that's surprised that Nebraska has found ways to be good offensively when a couple of guys that we thought were non-negotiables for them weren't really there? Well, I mean, you know, I don't know that you expect Juwan Gary to shoot like that from three, uh, but but Bryce Williams has been a good addition, you know, and I think as we went into the really good the off season. So, I mean, you know, Wilson covers the team now, but I had to kind of pitch in there for about six months. So I, I spent a lot of time <laughs> looking into the transfers, right? The guys that they had had, and you know, I think. We had spent a lot of time thinking about Rink Math because of who he was replacing, and Derek Walker was the best player on last year's team. Bryce Williams didn't really have a direct comp the last year. Uh, I guess it was Bandamel, um, but they're kind of different players, and I think Bryce has just been really good. I mean, the one thing that I appreciate most about Bryce is that I don't think coming into the season we thought he was going to be the guy that's like, all right, clear out, I'm going to go to the rim, and he's become that guy. And that's been... That's been a big part of he's the alpha. He, he's willing to go out to the top of the key and, and make something happen with nine seconds on the shot clock. And, um, yeah, I'm not saying he's Trey Alexander in that regard, but he's good, and he's been, he's been effective. And, and so I think he's been, uh, I don't know if pleasant surprise is the right word, but his game is, is broader than we thought it was going to be. And then, uh, you know, the Fred Hoiberg made a tweak with Jamarcus Lawrence, and it has worked. You got two guys from yep. from the same high school coming off the bench at the exact same time, and it seems to work. Now they don't always go off at the same time. C.J. Wilcher did not play well yesterday, but but Jamarcus Lawrence has really enjoyed that role. I'm not sure why, but it, it, it suited him, and and uh, that may be the role that he has for the next two years. Uh, in my opinion. Just my opinion. They need to go get a, a, a point, a true point. Um, Bryce has sort of evolved into that, but they need to go out and get another guy that's like Sam or Bryce or whomever uh, and let Jamarcus just be a two-guard and come off the bench and do what he does. But um, those are the things that I think have helped them immensely. And then they've been, you know, they've been pretty consistent here in the last two weeks on defense. And just imagine how be, good they'd be on defense if Blaze Keita were healthy because he, he might be their best defender. Um, and he just hasn't been healthy all year. So, you know, Nebraska's this is the best they've been in a, in a while, and, and Fred Hoiberg deserves quite a bit of credit. He, he won't take it. He deflects a lot, but he deserves a lot of credit for how this program has kind of pulled itself off the campus. Yeah, and I was saying this, so this is like across the board. You know, you were talking about Lawrence and, and Wiltshire, and 
you have to know your personnel before you before the culture has to be in place before you pull that trigger, right? You have to know that the culture can sustain if C.J. Wilcher doesn't respond well to coming off the bench or being a situational offensive guy or Jamarcus Lawrence is going to – like you're trusting that the culture is, is, is going to buoy that if it doesn't go as planned, right? You've you got to have the stones to pull the trigger, but you have to be able to support the outcome too if it's not, if it's not good. Conversely – or not conversely, but in the same vein – he said a lot of things publicly all year about being very specific with guys, which you also can't and typically don't do without knowing the pulse of your team. Don't you think, and you're right dab smack in the middle of it, haven't we undersold this whole knowing it, the chemistry, building the chemistry, kind of resetting the culture that Hoiberg has done the last year and a half? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been – I think he always had that, you know, quality within him. I, I, I think. That was the conversation this morning, Ravi, and I had to start the show. Was it always in there and it was just an Abdel Massey thing, or is this new? I, I, I mean, I think it was always in there. And, and you know, Matt Abdel Massey takes a lot of, a lot of shots. And, and some of those, I suppose, are, are reasonable. Uh, some some are maybe That's a little. I, I, I'll just say this: the, the COVID year was really tough on the program, and I, nobody likes hearing that. That was the other time I had to pinch it covering it, and I'm just it was hard. It was it was not easy. They missed an entire month of basketball. Then when they came back, they played like 13 games in 20 some days, and it really. Just it was just a tough experience for the for the program, and they thought they were going to be pretty good. Uh, maybe not this good, but I think they thought, well, maybe we can make the, you know, the the NIT, or I don't even know if they had the NIT in the COVID year. I'm talking 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they thought they were going to be better than that, and and then COVID just sort of, you know, canceled an entire month of basketball. That was a very strange experience, and I I don't think it was easy on Fred. I don't think it was easy on the staff. And then I think they came back, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm trying to just lay it out. They thought Delano Bant was going to return, and, and he got drafted. And he stayed in the draft, and it changed the entire nature of that team. They had built the entire team for Delano Bant to return and be the point guard. Then he leaves, and then they, they sign a point guard that really didn't figure it out until like three weeks left in the season. Mm. Uh, so, so that's part of what happened. And, you know, and then I think, uh, and it was after that that, that the change kind of kind of kicked in. I, Bryce McGowan is a good guy and, and had a good season here, but I don't think that was the fit because I think there was a lot of like, well, we got to get Bryce's points. <laughs> like, there were whole possessions of games, whole stretches of games where they just throw the ball to Bryce and he would isolate and it was, it was time for Bryce to score. And that's not really Fred. Um, I think uh, I, that's not who he is. I think he either wants a, a post guy to be a distributor or the point guard to be the distributor, but he doesn't want a wing to just stand out there and, and dribble around and shoot. And so um, I think that's when they started to change. They figured it out with Derek Walker. Um, the offense got better. They focused more on defense. They got Juwan Gary. All those things matter. Um, but people will, will notice, even though they didn't shoot very well yesterday, they scored 73 points. And, and you know, like, they're pretty good 
on offense. And I think that actually matters. I mm. think the way that they score and the, the distribution and the balance of that, um, this is, I, I know it's not a program that's like super, it's not Creighton on offense, but they're scoring 77 points a game. And that's the most they've scored in a really, really long time. So uh, the defensive focus matters, but I'm just telling you, the offensive stuff is important too. And I think they score enough points that, that it helps their defense. Their defense is willing to play. I don't even know the last time they scored 77 points a game, guy. I like, think I don't know. I think it was like the 90s. Probably the, probably the last time that they had a 45-point half. I mean, I'm looking right now. I'm going back to that <laughs> reference. The last time, the last time that Nebraska scored 77 points a game was in the NIT championship season of 95-96. They scored 80 Great points year. a game that year. Yeah, they and and that team had Eric Strickland, Jerron Boone, Bernard Garner, Mikey Moore, and Teron Lue. <laughs> that team was great. <laughs> I mean. Can you imagine how many points they would score today with all the I – mean, good God. Hey, so, <laughs> this is great. So anyway. It's almost like you caught yourself off guard and it was like, oh, God, this is awesome. <laughs> really I have a hunch. I think I'm going to validate myself. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, it's been, it's been literally almost 30 years since they've scored 77 points a game. Now, people don't talk much about their offense. But their offense is actually pretty good, and that's what Fred's really good at. And they've found a way um, to, to score points, and it affects their defense. Their defense, I think, is better because they're actually pretty darn good on offense. We're talking with Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, I is something that I think it's overlooked, and, and I don't know if you've thought about it much, but how much more impressive is it that, you know, you mentioned the not having a true point guard. They thought they had a true point guard, right? They thought they had you. I mean, they have Ulyss, but he can't play, obviously. Like, how much more impressive is what they've been able to accomplish? Considering, you know, you mentioned when they thought they had Banton coming back the next year, and then he was gone. This was even kind of a more bizarre situation than that, where they thought they had their point guard. He's obviously not able to play, and they were still able to adjust and be, I mean, the best offensive team Nebraska's had in 30 years. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think that's a testament to um, their understanding of the system. A lot of these guys are old. Uh, Bryce Williams is smart, so he was able to come in and kind of pick it up right away. It, it, it's a, it speaks to just how well they understand what they're doing. Um, and if you, again, I mean, Sam Hoiberg did not make shots yesterday. There's a lot of things that, but if you watch Sam and, like, his understanding of what he's supposed to do when he has the ball and, like, when he's supposed to peel back out and, when the dribble drive is, is cut off and where he goes and where he passes. If you just watch him for a whole game, I think you can see, like, the, the genius of Fred's system because Sam really understands it. It's obvious that he understands it. And the things that he gets to and the passes that he makes and some of the passes that, you know, like, C.J. Welcher understands it really well now in year three. Some of the things that these guys do, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, they... Hoiberg is a again. He the thing he's really good at is is creating sets and creating a system, not just sets, but a system where if you're if you know what you're doing, it's hard to stop you. And the cool thing is, they're going to be very very similar next year. I mean, this is going to be a team that uh, Bryce can come back, Rink can come back. Um, the only guys that are gone are Josiah and Casey for sure, um, and Jerron Coleman. He's he's gone. 
Um, and then Eulis will be there. I, I, I expect him to play. Uh, so, I move on from Eulis. Go get my man Chucky Hepburn. Bring Chucky home. <laughs> That's my answer. Well, I, I think there was probably an opportunity to have conceived that. Not, 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 no, I, I don't. The I, I get it. I think this may be the year to make the run at him if you're going to do it. Okay. I'm, I'm just putting that out there. Um, but let me let me. I, say. I, I, I I've seen I've seen I. It's clear that that. He's capable of more than that offense allows him to be, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. He doesn't always look overjoyed, does he? I'm just saying. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, Sam, let me – how about this, though? Like, we're talking about tinkering and offense versus defense and all that other stuff. How about how he's – somehow somehow they figured out with, with Alec and Gary playing at the same time, and him staying with Alec is kind of – the pulse of their heartbeat, and he almost, I won't say never gets talked about because I think that's sometimes hyperbole for media when they want to get credit for saying a guy's name, but he does get a little love, but the ability to play those two guys and not really skip a beat on offense is, I think, that's pretty under underappreciated because that lineup gets stops. Oh, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, I mean Josiah gets a lot of mentions from the from the, the the writers because he's a great quote, and so for sure he gets he gets a lot of run and, and print, and I'm glad with, for that. I think he's kind of one of the leaders of the team. Um, you know, he just plays so hard, and yesterday he played really hard. I mean, there was the you know, I think when uh, their coach. Johnson was, and I like him a lot. I, I do too. I, I'm a big. I like Ben. I he's a good coach. He is, uh, and so when he was talking about a team possessed, I mean, I certainly thought of Alex and, and how hard he was playing, and you know, he's so willing to get on the floor. He's just kind of willing to do everything, anything and everything he can, and he doesn't really care if he scores. Uh, I think he loves just doing all the gritty stuff, and uh, he's been what they what they hoped he would be. Well, he started two of the you breaks know. from the ground, from the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it. Yesterday was was not a pretty game but it was a but it was gritty and it was kind of you know who they want to be as a as a program and and again they won by 18 i mean it was you know they they really i don't know what's going on with minnesota that oh joseph didn't play until the end i haven't paid enough attention to what they're doing there but um you know there, there's certainly things about about nebraska that we haven't seen this kind of program in a while uh, we just haven't and people can talk about the tim miles team from 10 years ago and that's fine but that team couldn't score to save its life, and this one. Can't. This team would and, beat that team, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure, uh, for sure. And you know, there's there's things about this team we just haven't seen this in a while, and appreciate it, uh, and and appreciate it again next year because I think a lot of it will come back. I think a lot, you know, NIL will kick in, and a lot of these guys will be like, yeah, let's just do this one more time and see if see what happens because I think it's a team that could be even better. Next year, the the curious case of Dawson Garcia continues. Yeah, Sam, it's kind of yeah. interesting. You you brought up the the roster retention because Nebraska's got a lot of good players, but not a lot of these guys are looking at NBA careers, right? So there's gonna be an opportunity to get. I mean, most of these guys back. Almost all of them. Yep. I you know I think there may be players who choose to transfer out because it's evident they're not going to play yeah sure but there 
I would anticipate almost all uh, of those of those players returning for another year. As I look at the roster, you know, I don't know about Blaze Keita. He's been hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. I know they know what he can do if he's healthy, but he he hasn't been healthy all year, and he's not going. He's not going to play. I mean, obviously, he's just taking a redshirt year. Uh, and then there's a couple other players that are maybe down the bench. But I think all of these players are going to return. Gives you an opportunity to redshirt Frager, which I assume they were imagining they were going to do anyway. Um, and, you know, so all all those all those things are are good, and, and they're again they're going to they're going to be a really good team next year. Uh, everybody coming back, a lot of people coming back. And, so it's it's fun. This is just the beginning of of what I think could be a a two or three year run for for this program. And if they get to the NCAA tournament, and let's say they win a game, how much more attractive is Nebraska basketball going to be in the transfer portal? Very attractive. Yeah. It's, got, it's got all the other stuff going for it, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. there's a heck of a place to play basketball. That's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Sam, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Sam. That is Sam McEwen coming up next. We've got a bunch of stuff to clean up in the War Horse Sportsbook Sports Cleanup. Coming up next here on Herd Out Sports Radio, that's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. We'll have more coming up next.